Welcome to the Vancouver Tech Podcast. My name is James. And I'm Drew. How you feeling this morning, Drew? Uh, pretty awesome, as per usual for a Saturday morning, because I didn't drink at all last night, and I'm not hungover. Yeah, instead, you went to church and went to bed early, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you did go to a couple events last week, right? I did. Last week was a pretty great week for events, uh, I thought. So the Van Q meetup on Monday was something I saw you at, James. Yeah. And I think there was something else going on that day that we had to make a decision to be at Van Q for. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Code Core was close, so I just uh, <laughs> I went with that. Plus, I wanted to learn about the this whole like uh, topic of you know monitoring your app dynamically. Which is yeah, really cool. I hear you on that. It was um, it was a great presentation. I thought the uh, it went a little bit long. And the last hour was more of a check out this cool stuff about our product. Uh, a little bit salesy, but it was a really cool product. And it was um, it was hard to get up and leave because uh, it was interesting the whole way through. Yeah. Plus, we were right at the front. Plus, we were right at the front. Yeah. Um, I was thinking of going to the JavaScript meetup that was over right. at uh, UBC. Um, on Robson, that's right. Uh, but because we stayed so long, but I got a lot out of it. What did you get out of that uh, Van Q meetup? I definitely thought this Dynatrace thing that they showed was really cool. Mm-hmm. The idea of like having all your servers, like uh, little agents on all of your servers, and then being able to see like visually where the request went was like pretty awesome being able to see that versus like most of the time you're reading a log or whatever and it's not as like nice and intuitive this was like you can literally like draw a line from where it started where it finished see all the stages in between it was really cool that to know that stuff like that exists and that it was performant it didn't even impact the server it was like 0.1 percent overhead so that was Dynatrace. Uh, another interesting thing about that was he mentioned it a few times. I haven't actually looked at the licensing, mm-hmm. uh, and I haven't tried getting it running locally yet. But he mentioned a few times that you could run it for free forever. Uh, locally. Locally. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought this was pretty interesting. It might be something worth looking into. Um, the presentation was great, and I think it was very DevOps culture focused. And it, it really it was something that was easy to buy into. Um, because the speaker was great, the presentation was great, the idea behind it was great. So if we use this product going forward or not, that's a, that's a good question to have. Is the is the product as good as the speaker was? That's <laughs> my question. Anyway, yeah. thank you. Definitely an, uh, a well-organized, well-attended meetup yeah, that happens up. Uh, once a month, I believe. And okay. It's always great. So I'm, uh, I'll be probably at the next one, depending on the, the topic of conversation. So you went to the Docker meetup as well, right? So that was actually the following... Uh, two days later on Wednesday, which uh, it seems to be on a Wednesday all the time. And um, there's often there's often conflicting meetups and it becomes harder and harder to choose which to go to, yeah. especially if, if we're having the Ruby meetup on Wednesday um, mm. and I'm hosting at Mogo, that, that can sometimes uh, be, a, be an issue. However, this time, awesome. Awesome meetup. Nice. Nice. Did you learn anything new or was it... uh... I learned a few things new. Uh, The biggest being that they consistently buy a selection of pretty good and crappy beers at (laughs) uh, these meetups. And so... That's the biggest knock. Well, well, literally, there was a time in the night where, you know, uh, I was like, you know what? Do I want a second beer? Okay, sure. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I went to get one and there were seven beers left. They were all caribou. And then I had to I had to rethink my thought. You decided not to. <laughs> but the um the presentation itself, this was really good. Uh, Rob from Human API gave a gave a good talk into uh, going down the path and dis- of discovery uh, into into cloud into deploying um, Docker containers 
They have uh, apparently hundreds of services running, mm. um, and they have some pretty interesting. From what I, the sense that I get, they have some pretty interesting problems to solve at Human API. Mm. Uh, did you get Did you get the gist of what Human API was? Yeah. Um, so Human API takes health data from various sources. They, they didn't clearly define what their sources were, and I yeah. I guess some of them are paid, some of them maybe not. Some and, of it's probably, if it's medical, it's probably a bit of a, like, a, you can't really talk about it. Right, and so their customer, they don't have an open API that you know, mm. anybody would use. Right. They, their customer is a developer who needs their API. Oh, I see. And, okay. Uh, and But they get all sorts of data. Uh, sometimes they might have, you know, um, blobs of data that mm. are unstructured. Sometimes if in a great scenario, they'll have an XML formatted mm. uh, thing. But so they're, uh, on the one hand, I think they're taking a lot of data, archiving it, writing some sort of machine learning to, oh, that's to cool. make sense of it and parse it and uh, seeing what they can learn from that. On the other hand, that's not exactly their main focus, you know, but that's probably a big part of it. Um, but they're also doing, um, they have some interesting tools in their chain. So they're, they started getting into the idea of let's look at Docker, let's look at cloud, what's out there a little over a year ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you've been following, even if you haven't, it should be pretty obvious that the Amazon um, ecosystem has grown a lot over the past year. Kubernetes has grown a lot over the past year um, and all these other technologies mm -hmm. that are that are there and around there. One thing that impressed me about this presentation was he even mentioned things like Cloud Foundry. Um, who, which I, I believe anybody who knows much about PaaS would probably have encountered Cloud mm -hmm. Foundry. Uh, however, I don't think there's honestly of that many people who are who have gotten to the level of need in cloud yeah. to say you know what what is my my platform as a service to orchestrate all of my microservices or services sounds like they're there. like on the bleeding edge of stuff too. If they're so using it was like really Kubernetes interesting. I think they've they've. They're not using Kubernetes. They, oh. It was something they would have uh, evaluated perhaps a little over a year ago when mm, they, were, right. they were looking at what to get into. What they were using was um, Mesos. Right. And uh, the, the Apache Mesos, project. Uh, right. And the Mesos ecosystem, some of the things around there, like Marathon, um, I believe they they mentioned uh, using Console mm. uh, as their key value store. And then there's, you know, uh, Console Conf or something like that. Um, That's Console with a K, right? No, no. Let's C. see. C O N S U L. Oh, okay. Console. Right. Right. And uh, <laughs> anyway, it was it was a well given presentation that um, I, I was. It was great. I really like the <laughs> Docker Meetup. I love talking to other people who are using this and kind of sharing ideas as well because um, there there's a few things that I think the the ecosystem and the 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 different pieces of of tools that we use to build. Is it's very analogous from one system to another, mm. yet there's all these sort of differences and reasons why one might fit better than another, you know. And, and anyway, it's fascinating, great speak. Yeah. And well, we always what I always say to our clients is like ninety percent of the problems that you have are already solved. The reason you're contacting us is because you have that last ten percent that's special. That they have some sort of really special, unique problem they need to solve that no one else really has because mm -hmm. it's specific to their company. That's why their company exists and there's not a clone of them. Mm -hmm. uh, they have one particular problem and then we just try to solve that problem. Everything else is sort of a wash, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Similar. And I think um, you, you can see that a lot with uh, open source tools as well, especially ones that have been, well, mm. a lot of them are developed yeah. in-house for specific problems True. and then open sourced. Speaking of which, um, Pasta, Pasta from uh, Yelp, 
by the way, I'm just, I'm looking at a engineeringblog.yelp.com and they've got something, I came across this because I was looking, uh, I, I Googled, you know, Mesos and Marathon. Yeah. I, was, I was looking for uh, some documentation to maybe play around with something like that. Uh, this is part of your sort of doing. startup research, right? No, no. Oh, this really? is uh, This is purely uh academic i guess i'm I'm just quite interested in pass and i really liked the i really liked the talk that was given i actually want to see um how that would go together uh in a working system to be able to have a a simplified um working system running where we could plug and play different tools Mm, do some test ability testing and then maybe make an an argument for a use case uh on the team that i'm working on you know what hey this is a really great tool for um for monitoring uptime or this is a really Mm. great logging tool or you know and and here's the here's the actual the way that it's used here's some of the numbers anyway pasta there's a really great blog post on it um and it says you know here's some of the tools that we use at at yelp docker apache mesos mesos is marathon chronos SmartStack, sensu and jenkins um so i'd like to look through this and go through it and see you know how hard would it be to replace jenkins with um circle ci or something mm. else um and and kind of see you know what are these tools doing how do they work are they good at what they're what they're doing uh, pasta looks pretty interesting, and I'm quite interested in the idea of a pass. Awesome, yeah. Maybe give it. Let us know like what that actually turns out to be. Yeah, I think I'll try and write up a blog post about it, and uh, we'll post that. Not today. You know, yeah. Maybe next week sometime. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah I, um, the other meetup I went to was the or that I'm still at. Technically, I'm going to be late for it today. Um, but the Gopher Gala Hackathon. So what yeah, I didn't what realize. Turn out like for that. Uh, yeah, it was like there was about five people at CodeCore. So CodeCore um, is just sort of hosting the space for people to go to for the mm-hmm. hackathon. Uh, what I didn't realize was that it's like a worldwide, you know, event. Like there's there's a go yeah, for a gala. Yeah, uh, I didn't realize that at first. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's probably just like, you know, five teams of people, you know, just hanging around mm-hmm. at CodeCore. And then as I started getting more into it and as the date drew closer, I realized like, oh, there's like people from all over. So I emailed some friends that are uh, outside of Vancouver saying, hey, you should check this out. It's really cool. Maybe you can get on it. It does look pretty cool. There's also a few companies, I think, behind the the hackathon offering free use of their products during the hackathon, like mm-hmm. Worker was one of them and, and a few others. It might be worth checking out, if not only for that. Um, I almost forgot to say, I want to give a big shout out to uh, Adam Dimitrik. Thanks very much. It was great seeing you at the Docker meetup. Thanks for buying me beers. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> of yeah. Adaptech Solutions. He's also starting to write blogs. Uh, blog posts again that are gaining some interesting traction. He has some interesting clients and like challenges that he's overcome in the last few years. So it'd be cool to talk to him because he's uh he's all about helping companies like fix all their garbage programming, right? Yeah. Um <laughs> yeah, he's got some really interesting ideas and he's quite opinionated, which I think is uh um I think it's great. You know, if you have a strong opinion and you're able to get it out there and then have it be tempered by uh, by other opinions. Yeah, absolutely. And then either you change or you become stronger. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a good philosophy. Cool. Let's jump into the week coming up. All right. So we have an interesting coming, a very interesting week coming up. Um, one of the things that catches my mind is, uh, exploring Git on Monday. Uh, so this is from 5 PM. I'll be interested to see if people actually show up or not. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering, so this is organized by, by Adam. Uh, I'd really like to go out to it. I think it's a great meetup. Is this for newbies or um, experienced people? For anybody across the board. Um, okay. One of the ones that I went to, I helped someone with the concept of squashing. So, right. you know, kind of relatively new to mm-hmm. get. 
Um, Adam is maybe the one of the I would challenge you to find someone who knows get better in Vancouver. Nice. Cool. Mm-hmm. That's nice. So you got a, basically the, a, a leading uh, Git expert to teach you how to use Git. Yeah. And he's also, uh, he's he's come up with some very interesting ideas as far as workflows uh, cool. go. The Dimitri workflow is fairly well documented. And cool. You, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll check that out. But uh, I might have to fight that for HackerNest on Monday. So you won't. That's a really good thing about this. Uh, the exploring gets from five. Hackernest oh. isn't until eight. Sweet. Hackernest is going to be awesome this Monday. It's yeah. really going to be great. I'm excited. I'm super happy. We have some amazing sponsors. Uh, one of which is Black Kettle Brewing. And not only remember last time, James, yeah, uh, they brought a, a few kegs and they, they had some really great beers. Yeah. So this time we're going to have a sampling of bottles of some craft beer. And a cask. Ooh. Ooh. And that's at Estuary. Yeah. Estuary is kind enough to, to give us the space here. And uh, it should be a lot of fun. We have Lighthouse Labs and Grinder are our sponsors as well. Cool. Uh, you're probably going to get some people that show up and they're there for the beer and not for the... <laughs> There's going to be people that are there You know what? Saying... <laughs> I haven't seen this ever happen in for Hackerness. I've never seen sure. people show up for the beer. Yeah. Uh, although it's a nice icebreaker. And oh, yeah, get, absolutely. You, we get some of those tech talks. Uh, some people who might normally be... Um, a little bit more reserved or focused on their their thoughts toward tech mm-hmm. can loosen up a bit and we can talk. Yeah, it's, it helps everyone system. relax. Um, in college, I used to call it liquid courage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but it should be quite fun. I'm literally looking forward to it. And then on Wednesday, we have the Open Late at OpenDNS Hack Night. Yeah, that's going to be pretty interesting. Um, so the Open Late is uh, at OpenDNS. The Hack Night, I guess, is not going to be a talk. Are are there, is there going to be anything? Is there going to be beers? Is there going to be pizza? Is there going to be just a nice office space where you can go and hack? Probably something that I'll try to go out to. Um, what is a hack night? What's an open hack night? And what should somebody going to one bring to the table? And what would be a takeaway? Well, unlike something like Hackernest, for hack nights, you definitely bring your laptop. Like you're there to work, essentially, There's and talk to people about mm-hmm. your project. So if you have an interesting project or you're trying to learn some new thing, for me, it's go. I might go to this and try to find someone who who has the same experience. So then we can uh, we can chat and uh, maybe they can help me if I'm stuck or whatever. So so it's interesting. I find hack nights. Um, we have the Ruby hack night. Uh, I find it to be an interesting platform to talk tech related to uh, what you're doing, mm-hmm. to talk about what you're doing, but to really engage in the community. Um, not necessarily a super productive night for development but more of a um, bring what you're working on, bring what your interests are, be ready to talk to other people about what they're working on and kind of get that feedback from other developers. Uh, and so yeah. I find it quite good. And it's, I think it's a really great community building thing. I went to, when I went to the Mozilla hack night, uh, the one that was at the Mozilla office, I can't remember. I think it was a polyglot hack yeah. night. Um, I talked to some someone about um, Varnish, like the caching server. Oh, that's right. And then you ended up. Yeah, uh, I ended up using it. it. He he was the one who gave me all the tips about Varnish and how to how to set it up. Sweet. So, so we completely sweet. glazed over one of the most important events I think happening uh, on Tuesday, which is the React React JS meetup is happening. This is going to be huge. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, React is a is yep. a big deal. Uh, we even have some core contributors yeah. here locally. Yeah, uh, one that I found that I thought was kind of cool is the Digital Agency Day Happy Hour. So 
It's another one of these like kind of global events, but um, it's actually being held at Unbounce, which is a place that we've talked about before, but I've never been. I think you've been there. Mm-hmm. And that's actually Thursday at 5.30. And it's sort of about people that either work in or own an agency. So for me, that's kind of like makes a lot of sense for me to check it out. I'll definitely check that out on Thursday. So that's coming up Thursday at 5.30. I really do want to go back to some of the earlier events during the week, though, and um, take a look. So we have the React.js coming up on Tuesday, and uh, Wednesday is also a pretty big day. Oh, yeah? So we did say that Open Late was happening. There's that hack night. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another meetup, the uh, Functional Programming in Scala Reading Group. Right. So this is happening uh, Sorry, on East 8th uh, over at the Hootsuite headquarters. Um, and this is a really... I would say if you're if you're interested in if you're uh, programming in Scala, this is the meetup to go to, and uh, so they're going through the functional programming in Scala, the Red Book, and every every week uh, I believe or every couple of weeks they go through a chapter and go through the exercises. And so if you've been reading through this, you've been struggling through, or you have some really elegant solutions to some of these exercises, and you want to go out there and and talk with other people about them, this is the platform for you. Cool. How about Thursday then? Thursday's a busy day. Thursday's a very busy day. So I already mentioned Why is Thursday uh, a busy day. I already mentioned the digital agency uh, meetup, but uh, at the same similar time, I guess f- uh, six forty-five mm-hmm. is the uh, random rambling ramblings on software engineering. I thought this one was kind of cool. It's at UBC Robson Square, uh, which is where the rink is uh, underneath that. Uh, like big dome place, mm-hmm. and that was actually um, there's not really too much information on the description, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I guess uh, if you want to hear rambling, random ramble, ramblings on software engineering, you should check it out. That's from 6.45 to 9.30. That to... sounds roughly like the most technical of <laughs> all of the, the yeah. things happening on Thursday. Yeah. But uh, it literally does. But there is a lot. So if you want to talk, uh, if you want to hear a talk uh, from Picatech CEO, um, learn how they did it is happening. Check out Vancouver Pixel, Pixel Crafters meetup for that. Um, if you want to have... Uh, some startup drinks. It's a great day for it because yeah. it seems to be happening at six o'clock. Uh, that was something I believe you recommended to me, James. A couple mm-hmm. months ago, I went out. It was great. Met some good people. Um, I'm, I'll, I'll make an effort to go there this time as well. I might be a little bit late, and it seems like it's it's exactly the kind of place that's fine to show up a little bit late. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, we have so Brain Station also has another event happening on Thursday at six thirty. Um, it's the Vancouver Instagram panel discussion. Right. I, interesting. Right. Okay, cool. And, uh, then there's this, there's other one that I, I haven't seen this meetup before, but it does look pretty interesting. Startup blinkers networking. Um, seems a little bit noisy networky to me, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I, I just want to mention it and it might actually be good. Sure. Um, we should, uh, hopefully get some feedback on that. Yeah, and uh, the one that I found uh, just last minute there on Thursday at 6.30 is uh, the Drupal meetup. Uh, so the Drupal, right. this Drupal community seems really active, and uh, the, this one seemed really interesting because it's about multi-headed Drupal. So this company had Drupal, and they were scaling so much, they needed to figure out how to scale Drupal properly. And uh, so one of, the, one of the people are actually going to talk about how they scaled Drupal and how that sort of works. And that's actually at the network hub. Yeah, that also looks uh, fairly technical as well and should be pretty fun. Yeah, cool. Nice. Where is the network hub, by the way? Uh, it's 422 Richard Street. Nice. Cool. All right, so that's Thursday. Uh, what about Friday? Anything happening? Uh, not for me. I don't know about you. Well, if you are inter- interested in Drupal, 
Um, and you go to the the Drupal meetup and you find things fun. And you say, you know what? I really want to do and participate in the Drupal Sprint Weekend 2016. Then this weekend is your weekend. Yeah, so you can gear up on Thursday and then kill it on Friday, right? Absolutely. That's the week. And that's the week. And we're here with our special guest, Gilliam Vrooman. Hello. How's it going? Good. Uh, so I'm pretty excited to have you on our show today. And um, I want to give a little bit of a background on you. So you're Director of Communications and Engagement uh, at the College of Pharmacists of BC. That's right. And also President of the Open Data Society of BC. That's right. Keeps me busy. Yeah, I think the first time that we met was a little over a year ago, uh, maybe a year and a half ago yeah. now. Wow. At the, uh, was it that long ago? At the Code for Canada meetup where you came out and helped us uh, get things streamed. And we, yeah, we live streamed it for you with the BC Developers Exchange was there. That's right. So there's been some pretty interesting stuff happening with the BC Developers Exchange. Uh, recently, I think they they started um, giving... Pay for pull. Pay for pull. So approved pull requests will actually get paid. I'm not sure exactly. if it's uh, um, if it's listed anywhere how much things are worth. Yeah. Um, they're starting it on the 26th, from my understanding, January mm -hmm. 26th. And really kind of that this first phase is going to be an experiment. And I'm hoping to talk to them more. They're, they've just recently launched this. Um, but my understanding, it'll, it'll depend on the project, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it's really going to be based on whatever work is available and what they think it's worth. So. I know you don't uh, work for the BC Dev Exchange, but maybe you can explain a little bit about what they do and how that sort of works? Yeah, so the BC Developers Exchange was a new uh, program that was formed by uh, the government of BC. They came out, uh, kind of spun out of Data BC. If you're familiar with Data BC, they're the the group that has the the province's uh, main open data catalog. Um, and so it was really designed to just essentially be a a connection between developers and the government, right? There's a lot of disconnect a lot of times. Um, and so that was really their main aim, aim is like, how can we actually create this exchange between government and the development uh, community in BC? A really interesting thing, from, from my point of view at least, was I, I first came across uh, the BC Dev Exchange because I, I found an organization on GitHub called the BC Dev Exchange. Yeah. And I was like, wait a second, are governments on GitHub? <laughs> cool. Yeah. And uh, and that's... And that was really cool to see. So mm -hmm. someone actually tweeted them and said, you guys should get on GitHub. And they figured it out in about two weeks. And if you know government time and how that works, yeah. that, that's really impressive. That's like a, that's like a regular yeah. human hour. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. both the province and the BC Developers Exchange have separate GitHub accounts. There's two. Right. And not just uh, if it did take just two weeks, that is amazing because they, they literally, uh, from what they, they said during one of the meetups, was they literally had to get GitHub uh you know, they were talking to them to change some policies so that it was possible for the Canadian government to have a repo. Yeah. Wow. You know, um, cool. from the Canadian government's legal standpoints and things like that. So yeah. it's really interesting and it's great to see um that we have people within our government that are fighting to make open Absolutely. data happen, to make BC Dev Exchange happen and to, that yeah. understand that this is an important and desirable thing. Yeah. So maybe you could go back and talk about sort of how you got into this whole open data thing. 
Sure. And how you got into like government work because you've done a lot. Yeah. So I've been in government for about the last seven years. And I really, I really hooked into the, the inner innovation inside of government. Like there's such a, a, a unique group of people in there who, who very much care about what they're doing. Maybe they're working on climate action. Maybe they're working on improving transportation, but they really care about what they're doing. And it's a neat thing about government servants. Um, and uh, so I, I had the opportunity to start uh, de- developing the first open data catalog they put together. And so they started this, uh, put out this competition called Apps for Climate Change. Um, and so originally they were going to do a giant table of about 500 data sets. And I'm like, let's find a better way of doing this. And of course, you know, you're, you're in, uh, it was in 2008, so we would really have zero budget essentially for everything. Um, and uh, found a way to do this this without having any server-side uh, scripting, just using a jQuery solution so that people could actually search through this uh, first open data catalog that they put out. Um, and that was used for a competition that was created to get the development uh, developer community in, in BC. And that was about 2010 that this happened, to get them to uh, create different apps uh, focused around uh, climate action um, with this data set. And so that was really kind of the beginning of open data in from the province's point of view, but really in BC. BC was one of the first, uh, was the first province to put out um, an open data set from that provincial level. They're the first ones to have um, an, an open data policy. Um, and so BC is really a leader in that front. So same with uh, City of Vancouver and Nanaimo had the very first uh, data, open data catalog, and the city of uh, Surrey currently has the largest one across Canada. Oh. Um, and the city of Vancouver had the first open data policy uh, in for all the cities across Canada. Um, but getting back to the question that you actually asked, um, so I just... I love seeing that that sense of innovation inside, and you actually see how problems can be solved and opportunities um, can come to be. And you see some of the apps that came out of that that competition, like what later became Recollect, um, the Van Trash app that that won that competition. And so I really just tried to nestle myself inside of the the innovative projects that are happening inside of government. Uh, my first job ever was to work on a, a crowdsourcing ideas blog. Um, and so it was during a time when, you know, everyone was struggling in, in 2008, government, corporate, um, everywhere you were. So the idea was, why don't we harness all the ideas of government employees in order to save money, find efficiencies between ministries that don't typically talk to each other? So you mentioned uh, the idea of inner or internal innovation, and I thought that was quite interesting, and it seems uh, maybe our, our government has a lot more collaboration and, and ideas and things happening than that is sometimes evident. Yeah. Um, but I really wonder, so the Open Data Society of BC, what sort of problems does open data uh, address? And you know, what are some examples? I think you've already mentioned Recollect, yeah. which is interesting, and this is uh, uh, private innovation on public data. Um, but what else? I think it's it's more thinking about the opportunities that it creates. Um, so one of the things we know about data catalogs now that there's a lot of them out, both from federal to small local governments, is that governments themselves are the people who are using that data the most because it's it creates just that level of efficiency and it's actually better quality data and modernized data that is so much 
more easily usable um, than previously than they were able to use previously. Um, so I think that that's that's a, a major benefit just in, in empowering uh, whatever level of government to actually use that data in a more meaningful way. Um, and then I, I think it actually uh, enables more localization in different startups that are looking to use data. They can add in uh, local either, uh, let's say, Drive BC data, which has recently put out an open 511 mm-hmm. um, API for all the Drive BC event data. Um, so you're able to layer local information on top of whatever you're doing. Um, a place like PlaySpeak uses uh, local government data to map out the neighborhoods and to be able to have the ability to uh, geo-notify uh, different citizens based on consultations that are happening in their area. Um, and they really rely on those th- that neighborhood boundary uh, information. Okay, so that's, that's pretty cool. Um, speaking a little of the open data and data part, uh, now your, your daytime role, I guess, yes. is uh, Director of Communications and Engagement. Uh, at the College of Pharmacists of BC. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, an average day in the life of Gillian? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's going from anywhere to, uh, what are we, what are we talking about online? Um, from a, a college of pharmacists point of view, right? So building awareness, um, of the college's role in protecting public safety in pharmacy. Um, it's also thinking about planning really meaningful engagements. So as, as scopes of practice change or as we're looking for input, uh, from the college, from our registrants, and from public and patients and other uh, healthcare prescribers, how do we actually do meaningful engagement mm-hmm. on that and mapping out that plan and making those, developing those relationships um, with all those different partners, right? So, and it's challenging because you have such a wide variety of uh, behavior preferences and how people want to communicate, or you have such a wide variety in in technical. Uh, accessibility, right? So some of the, um, some people may not have access to the latest browsers. And so you get instances where people may have Microsoft 8 or earlier or Internet Explorer 8 or earlier, right? And it's just that that struggle because, (laughs) you know, no no services are are catering to that anymore. But at the same time, those people are still really important. So Mm -hmm. how do you make sure that they're connected in with and that they feel appreciated? And we're in a really, I think, unique spot because you really see how much the workforce is changing. And so there's a lot of tensions Mm -hmm. um, between... In what ways is it changing? Yeah, I think just the way that people are looking to uh, receive information, to be notified about information, the way that people are, are interested in learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so you th- you see traditional forms of, of learning and educational forms, but then you see things like uh, meetups where you have experts come and talk and you just have discussions. And that's um, more, more of a thing that we've seen come up in the last few years and just a different style and how uh, different ages like to and different uh, communities like to learn um, and build understanding of, of what's going on. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned uh, meaningful engagement, and uh, it kind of resonated with me. I'm wondering, how do we gauge meaningful engagement? Yeah, I think that that's really about being clear about where where that input is going, right? Um, and so we always try to map out, um, if, you, if you tell us X, 
here's what's going to happen with it, right? Here's where it's going. Um, so for example, right now, we've got a strategic in, uh, planning engagement going on. And we're looking for input from pharmacy professionals. We're looking for input from other healthcare professionals, but also patients in the public. What is your pharmacy experience like? How could it possibly be improved, right? Um, and things that we want to be able to consider when we're developing our next strategic plan. So we've been very clear about we're going to take this input, we're going to use input from an environmental scan that we've done across Canada, um, and then we're going to provide that to our board, which are all registrants, uh, It's essentially pharmacy professionals regulating themselves, right? So share that with the board and allow them to have uh, all this input to help develop the next strategic plan. And I know we've had over 700 uh, people contribute to that so far. Well, that's really cool. So does that, uh, as, as the director of communications, how does your role actually play into directly affecting where your sort of communi- communication goes? Yeah, so I think it's about uh, identifying the different methods and how we're going to connect with different audiences. Um, so you're always kind of looking at, okay, what's the best way of actually reaching someone with this? Or or what are the areas of communication that uh, people are asking for more information about where people don't understand what the process is? So, for example... Uh, it's always uh, complex to describe what an investigation process looks like um, because there's so many different elements that are confidential confidential for the right reasons. You always need to have confidentiality mm. in a complaints process. Um, but for example, we've had uh, inquiries from the New York Times or from the Globe and Mail, and oh. they're kind of trying to understand what what is this process and what does that look like? Um, so being able to describe that um, and I, I identifying that that's a need of, of the public, of registrants and uh, media and thinking about, okay, what is the best way that we can do this? So for example, we're working on a video that actually talks about our complaints process and we're looking at how can we describe this process effectively with uh, infographics and different materials. But it's always about looking at what you're trying to accomplish, what you're trying to share, and what are the best ways of sharing it based on what you know about your audience. Mm. So do you actually use open data to sort of find out about some of these audiences? Uh, At the moment, no. Uh, We usually... Just kind of review who we know uh, we're talking to. And we talk to different... uh, kind of community organization. So there's a lot of different patient groups out there. Mm. Think of something like the Alzheimer's Society or the BC Cancer Agency, or we're talking to the different uh, health authorities, right? Mm. Um, for example, the the First Nations Health Authority has a pretty good Twitter flow following, right? And so it's just thinking about, okay, where, where we both have the same goal and the same message, we want to talk about safe pharmacy care or provide additional education. How can we work together on that? So it's a lot of it's just about building those relationships and learning from them what works best for you for reaching your audience, right? So we want to really work on it from a a relationship point of view. I think um, where open data could come out is where we're actually sharing some of our information about what the college actually does or the stats around how many registrants do we have in in BC? How many pharmacy professionals? How many technicians? How many pharmacies are there? Mm. Um, And so we can look at that kind of information as well. So as someone who has a foot in medical and a foot in open data, do you think that there's a way that the two can live together? Because I know a lot of people are afraid of hearing open and medical in the same sentence. And it's probably a a misunderstanding that, you know, this kind of health tech information is going to have personalized information. The The point of all open data is always anonymized. 
right? Yeah. So, and that's sometimes where where groups might say, "Well, do I really want to invest in anonymizing this data?" And they have to make that decision because there can be a cost associated right. with it. Um, but it's about using anonymized data. So, if you're thinking about the data that comes off of your watch, right? How, Apple's going to use that and put it out in an anonymized way. And then, how can you layer that with other data? But it's not it's not personal information at all. It's about being able to recognize trends and mm-hmm. layering different information sets to see uh, to discover new things. So data communications and open seem to be uh, ongoing themes yeah. uh, with you. Can you tell us a little bit about how these tie together and, and what that means? Yeah, I think it, it kind of ties into a way the definition of open government. I'm probably a little bit of an open government geek. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really the components of that are, are having open data, having open information, which is just posting stuff online, actually making it accessible and transparent, um, and having open dialogue. And you really need those three to have an effective open government. Um and that's where, like, I, I think all that kind of continues to connect and where whatever project you're on, there might be one angle that you're looking at a little bit more closely. In some cases, it's more about open dialogue than it is about open data. And in other cases, it's more about open data and there, the, that dialogue isn't necessarily there in that same capacity. Uh, what are the most common hurdles when a company decides, okay, we have all this data, we really want to share it with everyone, What's the most common hurdle from going from a closed data set to an open data set? Yeah, uh, I would say that it's probably thinking about the the money or or the the purpose of it. They're like, where mm. where's the value add in this, right? And a lot of times, the, the value add isn't necessarily isn't always going to be monetary. Um, and that's especially it's probably local governments and other levels of government looking at that. Uh, primarily, probably more than than corporations. They're they tend to be not that they can't produce their own data, but they tend to be the consumers of data mm. um, more so. Although they they can produce their own as well. Um, but it's really about that value add. So, so local governments will say, well, if I'm the user's primary, primary user of my open data, then why, why should I put it open, right? If mm-hmm. citizens aren't using it, if they're not building a, a brand new app, you know, five days after I put this data open, why am I doing this? Um, and so there's, there's so many different reasons for that. And sometimes it's, it's hard to articulate and it's hard for them to see that, that concrete value. But it's really looking at that value of, of transparency and of, it may not be that your data creates an app, but mm. that it augments another app um, right, right, or it augments, allows a business to actually improve what their offering is in your local area as a result of having that information. Um, one of my favorite examples is uh, uh, the Nomis, um, who developed a essentially a data visualization off of laws data um, as a result of the uh, Open Laws API. So the province of BC put out an Open Laws API, which gives you access to all of BC's laws real-time, 100% accurate, trusted information. Mm -hmm. So they're able to use that API um, and provide an amazing service that actually allows you to cross-reference all kinds of uh, legal information. So you'll be able to see related use cases tied to related um, related laws, etc. And you are able to see definitions um, in a far more effective way. Currently, most lawyers just, they'll, they'll go to, or people who are using uh, the resources, you, you go to the law and you hit Control-F. 
And that's as good as it gets. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's kind of sad that it's that yeah. way and that it's taken this long to really get, you know, good systems. Um, but you, if you see the demonstration of what Nomis does, you're like, wow, that's really usable. Mm-hmm. And they're looking at that element of like, okay, we're going to provide this to uh, people who use law um, for as a service, but actually make it open and available for, you know, the the public person who has a parking ticket and wants to take a look at, okay, what are what are the rules around this? What are my rights or or workforce standards for something like that? So that, you know, if you, you can kind of do some preliminary work before you maybe go to see your lawyer and you can mm-hmm. be a little bit uh, more educated on that side. I have a friend that actually uses open data for an app that he's building that uh, actually can rate your neighborhood on different aspects. So you can figure out where you want to live in a particular community yeah. or a particular city. But the thing is, he was using long-form census data, and that's not really available anymore, right? Do you think the loss of that long-form census will impact a lot of companies that were using that before? I think it could. However, we now have a a new federal government that is uh, set to um, reinstate the the long-form census. And what I I hope that they'll do is they'll also modernize how that looks like. I don't don't necessarily know what that means, um, but I think that it would be a great opportunity to look at, okay, how can we be the most efficient with how we do this and provide the most amount of data, but at the same time recognizing the the amount of work it can take. They need to to take a page out of CRA's book because you can do all your taxes online through CRA, but... Exactly. The long form census. I remember when I see my parents doing it, they get this huge full scat paper and they're filling it out and they're like, what is this, is this again? Oh, I have to look at my taxes to figure out what my income is. Like, exactly. It's kind of a hassle. You think that it'd be uh, hopefully now that it's, you know, 2016. Yeah. So, uh, exactly. You know, I hope that, that they'll stuff. find the ways to innovate yeah. around that, right? So as a developer, uh, I'm interested in open data. I'm interested in open government. I'm interested in open communication. Where do I begin? I think you begin by um, you can connect in with the data BC community. They're prote- they're always talking about different projects that are coming out. Whether it's what the BC Developers Exchange is doing with their GitHub and allowing you to actually contribute code through GitHub and do a, a pay for pull, um, or or you can connect with your local government as well. Uh, City of Vancouver has quite a fair bit of data in it. They recently did a survey asking for input on their data catalog, and we know that they're looking to kind of do a, a 2.0 or reimagine how that can be used. Um, but I also think coming to to, to events like, for example, Open Data Society BC hosts uh, different events and just tries to feature different use cases um, of how open data is being used. And a lot of times it's just having those conversations with other people who have used that to get that um, to think about it. But also thinking about if you have an idea, let's say you're, you're making, you, you've got a, a program that you have an idea for, a problem you're looking to solve, um, and thinking about, okay, what data sets might actually help me with that? And then going to search for them from that point. Or connect with someone like the Open Data Society of BC or Data BC to say, is this available? Um, and maybe it's not, and we can look and see if there's a good use case for making it available, um, or, or maybe it is, and then you're able to augment it. So it's really, you know, talking to the community and thinking about, uh, what kind of data sets can be used to augment your idea. Great. So, uh, are there any, um, events coming up for open data? 
So uh, we're kind of taking January to think and plan for the year coming ahead. Um, something that is coming up is May, oh, sorry, March 5th, is uh, International Open Data Day. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't have any solid plans yet, but we'll be thinking about how to do hackathons probably across BC. Um, so a lot of times we'll collaborate with other groups that are really interested in that. Um, and and we always listen to our community, listen to what's coming up. So, for example, we heard about the pay for poll that was just recently contributed so I'm like, okay, we should get those guys out and talking to our community. Something um, should definitely be done to exactly. organize around that. I'm thinking maybe Code for Canada might be a good Exactly. Well. Yeah. And the city of Vancouver also recently completed a, a survey asking for input on their open data catalog. So mm-hmm. I'd really like to hear what the results are on that and have that shared with our community as well. Awesome. So March 5th, Open Data Day. I'll keep that date in mind. Gillian, thank you very much for being thank you. on Vancouver Tech Podcast. Thanks for having get, me. If people want to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Or if they uh, want to get in touch with the Open Data Society. They can tweet Open Data BC. Great. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to another episode of VancouverTechPodcast.ca. That's our site. You can actually email us too at show at VancouverTechPodcast.ca. Or find us in the YVR Dev Slack. I'm at Drew. I'm at James. We're almost always online. You can actually get an invite to YVR Dev Slack if you haven't got one already at yvrdev.herokuapp.com. See you there. Bye.